Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. So, uh, media day was yesterday, training camp has started this week, and just like that, the NBA season is, is a lot closer than I realized. Uh, for example, preseason starts this Friday. So again, like, th- th- this is coming, we're going 0-100 to 100 real quick here. But for now, today, we are here to talk about starting lineups, uh, specifically two gaps that Miami needs to fill throughout the training camp. So to preview that talk, let's start with who we already know is going to be in the starting lineup. Namely, Kyle Lowry as the point guard. I mean, that's well established. He's had a career of being a starting point guard. He's a championship caliber point guard. And though last year had had his ups and downs, again, like the ups, he carried us through December, January while the rest of the team was injured. Then something personal happened in his life that took him away, February, March, and then the injuries to the playoffs. So there were some downs as well. But from what we've seen so far, it looks like he's come back, he's in shape, he's ready to go, and he's ready to win a championship this year. So starting point guard, feel really good having Kyle Lowry there. Uh, then next we know we have Jimmy Butler, our starting small forward. Jimmy Bucket, <laughs> he's the face of the franchise, an absolute gamer that elevates himself when the moment arises, loves getting clutch buckets, all that great stuff, and obviously defensively an absolute menace, <laughs> all-star, all-NBA level, top 15 at least in the league, I think, so obviously he's going to be a starter. And then lastly, our young cornerstone, Bam Adebayo, who I will say for now will start at the center position, we'll revisit that a little bit later into the podcast. But yeah, Bam Adebayo, Defensive Player of the Year, rising offensive game. How how far up that gets, who knows. But at least as he is right now, an all-star level player, very clearly going to be a start as well. And so the question becomes, you got your point guard, your small forward, your center, your 1, 3, and 5, fill it out. Who's going to take your 2, your shooting guard, and who's going to take your 4, your power forward? And that is what we're going to discuss today. Now, I won't quite go down all the potential options at these positions. I'm pretty much just going to focus on the best bets that I can think of, uh, given you know who is currently on the roster. So, like for example, Jay Crowder recently became available for trade. He, apparently, him and the Phoenix Suns went apart ways. Obviously, Miami would be very, very, very interested in who was their starting four on their championship run in the bubble. However, that deal hasn't been done yet. So, therefore, we have to go with just who's on the roster at the moment for the appointed discussion today. So, we'll start numerically with the two, the shooting guard spot. And for this, I pretty much, I mean, I'm not the only one that thinks this. There's a pretty good consensus that this one is going to come down to one of three players. Either Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, or Max Struess. So, we'll start with Tyler Hero just because I think it's most interesting to start out with. Uh, Baby Goat, as he is also known, would be the best offensive option for Miami to start at the two-guard uh, two spot. For example, he's already a 20-plus point-per-game scorer, so very clearly you don't get to 20 uh, points per game in the NBA if you're not a good scorer. He is also obviously the highest scorer of these three that we discussed, and where he does that damage is equally important. By that, I mean he might be Miami's most, for lack of a better term, like complete three-point shooter. From the perspective of like, sure, we have some great shooters on the team, Max Drews, Duncan Robinson, but they are more so catch and shoot threats, which is very important for spacing. Don't get me wrong there. But where Hero 
uh, does things in a bit of a different way where I use the term complete is that he's also a pull-up threat from three. Whereas, you know, you don't usually see somebody dump the ball to Duncan Robinson, he dribble around a little bit on the perimeter and then pull up and shoot from three. That's just not his game. And same thing with Max Struess. They are the catch-and-shoot prototype. Let me sit in a spot, catch it. Maybe I do one dribble, like an escape dribble or something like that, but I'm not really pulling up. Whereas Hero is a legitimate pull-up threat. And that forces, you know, essentially his defender to have to stay on him while he's out on the perimeter, even if Hero wants to go a few steps back behind the perimeter as well. And thus, if the defender keeps going out, that stretches the defense out further, provides you a little bit more spacing because of it. Oh, and Hero is also easily Miami's best pull-up threat as well. So, again, the idea is if you put Hero out on the floor, you're all about just trying to maximize your offense. He is also a solid playmaker, passer, uh, pick-and-roll ball handler. He's been getting some experience there. He's developed a little bit of a two-man game with Bam Adebayo that we've seen flashes of throughout the regular season last year. So, obviously, if he's in the starting lineup, you can build on that as well as like a source of offense which would then keep the burden less on Jimmy and Lowry because they could just space while Hero and Bam run pick and roll. So, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of offensive upside to the idea of, of putting Tyler Hero into the starting lineup. And winning six men of the year last year, he does seem like he's ready to take that step forward into the starting lineup. The downside is just his defense. So he is routinely picked on in defense. He doesn't quite have half the, the athleticism. Though, again, he is a young player, like 22. I mean, we discussed this before, actually last week, actually, on the episode about like potential development, and we talked a good bit about Tyler Hero. So this is nothing new, right? Not a great defender, needs to get better athletically, but he is still young enough that you could expect progress. Maybe never to the point that he's a good, great defender, but if Hero can just get neutral, that just makes, you know, that makes the, the, the equation of it all that much simpler just because we already know there's so much that he could offer offensively. So in a way, the TLDR would be Hero, positive, best offense, uh, probably the worst defense um, of the three. And then you go next on to Victor Oladipo, who's the opposite of Hero. Uh, so Victor Oladipo would be the best defensive option that he could put out there while also arguably putting out the most experienced starter as well. I mean, Oladipo was a former All-Star, former All-NBA-level player. Not that he can get there anymore because of the injuries that he has suffered since then, unfortunately, but just to say that there is still a wealth of experience that he has playing the starter. Though, his experience... Well, in the early part of his career, he was more so a starter to more better players like Russell Westbrook at the time. So he also has that experience being more so the off-ball player. But in addition, Victor Oladipo, former All-NBA defensive player, so even if he doesn't quite get all the way back to where he was before, point there being, though, is this guy is a good, potentially great defender at his position, given how well he recovers. And though it was a small sample size, only eight games that he got to play in the regular season last year, and then the playoffs, there was injuries and chaos, um, kind of weeding that out a little bit. But in the eight games he played in the regular season, Oladipo shot 42% on 4.5 three-point attempts, so could also be a potential spacer as well, though historically he does not have a good history of being a shooter, and in the playoffs it did taper off you know, pretty hard. 
So that's where we get to the, you know, the biggest downside of Oladipo is the potential offensive limitations just because of questions about how well Oladipo could be a four spacer, which we know we need from these three other positions next to Butler and uh, Bam. Lowry is going to provide it. They also need it from their two and they need it from their four. So if Oladipo is arguably the worst spacer out of these three, that's why it makes him, in a way, the worst offensive option. Which isn't to say that he is completely bad on offense. I mean, he again, he has the experience being the more differential player from his time like Oklahoma City Thunder. So here he could still tap into that off-ball game, be more of a cutter, slasher, uh, see if that spacing is actually there shoot the ball, maybe he uh, the jumpers improved a good bit, what he did in the regular season carries over now, and he can be more of that off-ball threat. But just, there's going to be questions, and teams are probably going to test Oladipo to see if that, you know, it's one of those things where they're going to cover Bam, they're going to cover Jimmy, and see if they can force Oladipo to hurt them, and then how effective would Oladipo be at that. And then also just the fact that this guy now has a injury history stretching for a few years now, so how much, how high can he get back to, and then how long can he sustain that are also, would also be questions I'd have. But I will say before we move on to the third one that I think between Oladipo and Hero, you have your starter and your sixth man. Like, if Depot's a starter, and uh, then Hero's a sixth man. If Hero's a starter, then Depot's your sixth man. So both of these players are very good, and I think they're very, very close like you could tell me what that Spo ends up going one way or the other, and both would be very plausible, and I could see what he, and that essentially that would tell me more so what he's thinking in terms of an approach to the season. But just to say that still, you know, you can go either way with with these two. Uh, the third option, potential option, he's still the incumbent starter, Max Struess, a very solid three and D option that I but would probably best describe as the balance between these two. And then also maybe potentially the most consistent between these two, uh, in that he's very high floor but kind of low ceiling. Uh, he is a very great volume catch and shoot threat. Uh, shot forty one point three percent on five point four three point attempts per game last year. Just to, to give a context, high volume shot well over forty percent. So yeah, teams would have to respect Max Drew's shooting. Well, they did. They had to, and he still made them pay for it. Uh, but in addition to that, and the reason why he eventually took over the starting spot uh, over Duncan Robinson is just how much better he is at defense. Max Drews does have that, some athleticism and size, which allows him to not only sometimes attack closeouts, you know, get some dunks, things like that, some easy points on offense. He's not quite just the three-point threat that Duncan Robinson was, but then also just athletically to be able to cover his assignments better on defense. He's still the one getting picked on, but it's because he's better, just the damage that is being done from being picked on is less than, say, a Duncan Robinson, a Tyler Hero uh, would have. Struess might also ha- be the grittiest of the three potential options as well. Not to say that, not to use that to cast shade at Hero or Oladipo, but like Max Struess was a you know, former two way contract that had to eventually made his way all the way to a starting role for an Eastern Conference Finals team. Like, you don't get there without hustling your ass off. So in that sense, Struess also provides, you know, a little bit of that, that hustle, that spark, that dude that's going to make your gritty plays. Uh, really, the problem with Struess is just 
we, we kind of know what we have. Again, like high floor, we know he's going to give you spacing, and we know he's going to give you defense. But low ceiling in that, not really sure if Struess can offer you anything too much more than that. Maybe he can offer a little bit more in the sense of like, you know, he can continue to improve as a defender and continue to improve as a three-point shooter. But like adding another dimension to Miami's offense, the way that Hero's pull-up game or that Oladipo's uh, athleticism and defense could, Struess hasn't shown anything like that. Still, at the time, Spo did pick him over Hero and Oladipo when it came to replacing Duncan Robinson in the starting lineup late March. So, does say something that he has that experience and he won that spot in the first place. Just, so yeah, can't quite count out Struess. Moving on from the shooting guards now, we'll talk power forwards. Uh, kind of like as before, I have three potential picks for the power forward spot for you. Nothing too surprising. These three are from our discussion a few weeks ago, what Miami does with the gaping hole the power forward spot. But first up, Caleb Martin. So a reason for Caleb Martin, he does provide some floor spacing a little bit similar to what P.J. Tucker provided uh, for the Heat last year. So I was actually very surprised at how close the numbers were, right? So Caleb Martin last year, 41% on 2.6 three-point attempts per game. P.J. Tucker, also 41% on 2.7 three-point attempts per game. So a little bit less, but Martin also played uh, you know fewer minutes than P.J. Tucker did. I think really what it illustrates to me was Tucker was providing floor spacing just on you know pretty small volume, only 2.7 attempts per game given that he was, you know, again, the starting power forward. So Martin can space the floor from the four in the same way or about hopefully about the same level. I mean, spacing does have that respect element involved and that the defense has respect for it. But at least statistically, he can provide the same amount of damage that P.J. Tucker did from three. Uh, in addition, something that Martin has, Spolster's trust. He was typically the starter last season whenever Jimmy Butler or P.J. Tucker had to sit out. Most notably, he started in the late December, early January stretch for seven straight games and played pretty well throughout that stretch. I mean, I arguably he was one of the big reasons we did so well alongside Kyle Lowry in December, January. Uh, I do remember in specific, I think you want to say he had a career high in points uh, in our win against the Bucks in December. That was just a huge win given the circumstances. One of the most impressive wins of the season so to go back to it, though, Caleb Martin has the experience and played well when given those opportunities. Uh, he is also a positive defender. However, he does not have the size that P.J. Tucker has to guard fives. And that's probably the biggest negative when it comes to Caleb Martin is just the lack of, of size. He will be picked on against bigger front courts. And I would have a little bit of concern how he would hold up as the fourth throughout an entire season of it. Like, one of the things that ended up dragging Martin down last season was picking up nagging injuries to knee and Achilles that eventually sapped uh, him in March and then into the playoffs. It wasn't quite as effective, yeah, again, because of those nagging injuries. And so it would be the question of, all right, most of that time he was playing the three, sometimes the four. If he's now starting as the four, would he break down over the course of the season? That I would have some concerns about that. But after Caleb Martin, the next option would be Haywood Highsmith. 
He does have some on-court experience. He's played um, some solid bench roles at times for Miami, usually when, again, like a P.J. Tucker or a Jimmy Butler's out. So if Martin gets promoted to the starting lineup, Highsmith would take over his role uh, coming off the bench instead. But he does have some experience. He now also has that full offseason in Miami to try to get better. Uh, and from what he himself has said during interviews, the Heat are trying to mold him showing him film and trying to develop him into a P.J. Tucker type of player, which would be great. That's exactly what we kind of want from the floor right now. So there's also that idea that's kind of being planted of him being the starting four if he's being modeled after the former starting four. So definitely some positives that you could take there. And if you want to go maybe from the argument of what Spo sometimes likes to do where he would almost prefer to keep players in certain roles. Uh, For example, if he wants to keep Caleb Martin in that bench role because he feels that's the most comfortable, maybe then he puts Highsmith in as the starter instead to see how it works. But for downsides, he's still very raw. I mean, he was still a two-way player. Uh, He wasn't even part of the team until the COVID spat that happened late December, and he was signed to some 10-day contracts that eventually became a roster spot. So, sorry, he was not a two-way player for us. But just to say that this was a dude that was considered to have limited potential by the NBA. Uh, obviously, he took the best of his opportunity is now with the team. But like with Struess, you have to wonder about what the limit, uh, what the ceiling is that Haywood could reach. And like Martin, there's also some concerns about Haywood's size because he's closer to like Caleb's size in terms of height and build than the more bigger, stronger build of a P.J. Tucker. So given all that, I could actually see more so Haywood taking over the Martin spot on the bench, whereas Martin would then take over the starting spot, just to try to balance out the experience part of it. But there is one more potential option I could throw out here for the starting for Bam Adebayo. So, takes care of all the defensive concerns we have if Bam's out there. And with the right front court partner, I mean, we could do like what was done before with Myers Leonard, where the center essentially spaces the floor on offense and lets Bam play the normal center, setting picks, rolls, uh, you know, doing more so the center type stuff. And on defense, it's the opposite. Bam's out on the perimeter while the front court partner's the one defending the big uh, down to the paint. The downsides to this, though, biggest one is Bam Adebayo doesn't space the floor. Uh, not that he lacks the ability to shoot threes. We typically, there's the th- again, the famous story that he shot a ton of threes and impressed the Heat with it while he was doing a workout for him before they drafted him. However, in his career, he just hasn't really done it that much, and it is a constant question from media, like, hey, is Bam going to shoot more threes? Is he going to try threes? So, while well, maybe this is the year that, that it happens. Maybe this is a set of circumstances that forces him to take those shots from three. I mean, even in media day yesterday, he talked about being more aggressive and trying to take more field goal attempts per game. All I'm saying is make sure some of those field goal attempts come from behind the three-point line. That would be nice. And if some of those start going in, then, hey, maybe we can revisit this thing and say that Bam Adebayo does provide spacing. But Right now, and if he were to be the starting power forward at the beginning of the season, he would not be respected as a spacer until proven otherwise. But if Bam's playing the four, then who would be my pick to play the five? 
That would just be, I only got one for you. Umir, you're at seven. Has the size and theoretically has the range to play a stretch five. I say theoretically because we mainly saw it in summer league games and then talked about from like training videos and things like that. Uh, but yeah, a stretch five would be very nice to pair alongside Bam Adebayo. That's again how you make that that combination that we had before with Leonard. You replicate it here using Yurt seven. Uh, Yurt seven though also pretty good rebounder. We we got to see some extended minutes for him when Bam went down. I mean at times he was actually the starter for the Heat. However, and did a great job I should say rebounding the ball. It flashed some touch, but didn't really show off that range like we thought he would. But overall, impressive job given the circumstances. So the real question becomes is how he would pair alongside Bam. The little bit, of the, it was like 18 minutes that I found that the two of them played together. It was not good defensively, but that could have also have come from other mitigating factors on the floor or their opponents or a small sample size or whatever. So there's potentially explanations for that. Uh, but in theory... I could I could see the defense working. Your seven, while still raw and still obviously a rookie, uh, did look like he was starting to catch on. Like he looked like he improved pretty well in over the span of just a few weeks. So who knows how he might look now with the full off season? And if Miami wants to go with Bam Adebayo as the four, then I think your seven would be their best bet at the five. It keeps Deadman in that backup role regardless of uh, the circumstances. So with that, that covers the who I think are the options for shooting guard and who I think the options for power forward. So to give my final verdict on who I think ends up beating the other starters alongside Lowry, Butler, and Bam, I'm going to go with Victor Oladipo and Caleb Martin. And the main thinking there is just leaning into Miami's defensive identity. Like, we, Caleb Martin I feel fairly certain of regardless, just because he already has the experience he can somewhat provide the spacing. Uh, and yeah, it just has more experience over Haywood Highsmith. And I don't think Yurt7 is re- quite ready to start full-time. Full I don't think Bam is quite ready to provide that floor spacing. So that's why I end up going with Martin. And then for the shooting guard spot, for me, it, it did come down to Hero or Oladipo. And that's why I said going with Miami's noted defensive mentality o- over the course of their franchise, really. Um... That's why I went with Victor Oladipo to just let Tyler Hero cook opposing benches. Because, yeah, like I mentioned, if Oladipo is the starter, that means I think Tyler Hero is a sixth man. He's going to run the bench unit, still keep working as a playmaker and a primary scorer. And again, this is we're mainly talking about the starting lineup here. The closing lineup could be quite a bit different. So, uh, for, so like, for example, I think that for the closing lineup, the Heat goes something a little bit similar to like what the Warriors did, where uh, you know they would have Draymond Green would start at the four, and then when it came closing time, they would go Draymond Green to the five, move that five to the bench, put another perimeter player out, and just go bananas. I think the Heat are going to do a similar thing where they drop Jimmy Butler to the four, so Caleb Martin in this case would get to go rest on the bench. Thank you for doing the, the job starting. Now it's closing time. And then maybe you could do an Oladipo and Hero and Lowry out there with Bam and Jimmy and just, yeah, go ballistic that way. That that sounds quite a bit of fun, actually, to me. But just to say that Hero could still have his opportunities to be impactful, maybe not necessarily from the starting lineup, 
uh, but from the bench and then from the clo- or potentially in the closing lineup as well. So that would mean that players like Max Drews, Deadman, Yurt Seven, Highsmith would get to show off on the bench. Oh yeah, and Robinson as well. So like again, the Heat would have a deep bench, and if there are injuries, not not across the board. Like obviously we're very shallow at the power forward spot, but like injuries to the guards or to the to the wings, the Heat can deal with those just because they have a pretty deep bench. And then the other thing I wanted to mention real quick is the way that Spo could get a little cheeky, and if we're going up against bigger teams like the Wolves or the Sixers, uh, then that could be where maybe, even for example, we have the Martin-Bam starting front court. That could be too small for a, a bigger a team like the Sixers or the Wolves. Then you do you try out that Bam Yurt seven combo there and just just see how it goes, which again would keep Deadman. So like Yurt would pretty much be starter or not if he's going to start as a starting five or just not at all, and you keep Deadman in that bench role, which is something that I think aligns with how Spo typically likes to do stuff like this. And it should also be mentioned that this roster isn't. I don't think is going to be the roster we see come playoff time. Again, because of that big glaring hole at the four, and especially now that there are news that already news that players like Jay Crowder could be available to you know be that starting four for Miami, I think this roster changes. So there's a big chance that the starting lineup would then change with it. Uh, but this will wrap up this discussion for now. Next week, so the Heat, though the NBA preseason does start on Friday, the Heat's first preseason game doesn't actually start until next Tuesday night. So what I'll do is uh, next Tuesday I'll release a podcast just previewing the preseason a little bit, just try to find some storylines that we could follow throughout that. Uh, So that's what will be on the docket for next week. But that'll be all for this episode. Please be sure to follow the pod at Heaters Heating on Twitter and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell. Also check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball off of Twitter or just join us for shenanigans that we typically do on there. Links for everything are in the show notes. I'll be back next week. So until then, hope you have a good one, Heat Nation.